Hi, Vicki here. Um, reflecting on my conversation with Kumi Naidu, um, who uh, has been a global activist for peace, justice, and um, the un-American way. <laughs> yeah, we talked about, not the un-American way, but uh, we talked about our mutual uh, commitment to addressing affluenza, the role of consumerism in, as a driver for what's going wrong. Uh, and, um, you know, I've been on the case for 30 years and, and, and he has as well. You know, it's like when you, when you go up to the headwaters of what's wrong, you know, who's like, who's leaking poison into the, our drinking water. You find this sort of production of endless desire and solving desires through products that come out of the body of the earth. You see that that is part of the dynamic. Um, some of the things I loved him saying is number one, um, and I, maybe I love it because I concur, but <laughs> but it's um, is that the pandemic, this the, all that's happened in 2020 has revealed the inadequacy of our current system, especially the current economic system. We've seen we've seen how it's failing us. Uh, we've seen the K-shaped recovery. We've seen you know the money flying to the top, and you can you could blame the you know the American president. Um, <laughs> for that but it's not that it's a whole project it's a um that has systematically captivated um the dynamics of living systems and sort of harnessed them to the purposes of money and finance and profit and um, and power and exploitation, et cetera, et cetera. So I think number one is, is, is he and I both are, are seeing more clearly what's wrong and must go and is going. I mean, I think that, that the cracking that's happening is, you know, that, that, that giant crashing sound of the dominant system um, starting to give way um, and like a bear that's been shot, it's not just going to drop and it's going to, um, it has a lot of power left. So another thing he said I thought was really interesting is that the, you know, sort of the activist industrial com complex, you know, it's funders and nonprofit organizations and um, campaigns and strategies, you know, it's been going on for years, petitioning power to do what is needed. And um, I think he said, I think he was saying, you know, we've got that wrong. Um, petitioning political power to cede little pieces of power and do the things that need to be done um, is not, the repressive state is, is not, the only thing that's holding this in place. And I think we see that um, the media and, you know, fake news or, you know, alternative facts um, and the, um, this, 
the ideology of of consumerism, capitalism, et cetera, that's being taught to our children. They sort of like it goes right down, you know, to how we school our children um, and culture. You know, we don't talk well. We allow culture wars to happen. We don't talk well about what we what we value in common um, and you know, you could be politically opposed to somebody and lo love the same rock bands. So, you know, there's there's so many opportunities once you take your eye off that the prize is is uh, is basically the state um, that we have to capture. And I think um, we are understanding this. We have to capture um, the narratives and who we say we are and what we say is valuable. Um, and also what he's saying, and I appreciate it, is that, you know, us old war horses um, have some value in, in lifting up and being supportive of the young, extraordinarily creative and courageous people who are now on the front lines. Um, and we can't give in to a despair that no matter how hard we worked, we didn't. We, we, didn't, we didn't slay the dragon, you know, we... we we can't, we, we just can't go offline. We just have to keep the faith. And in a way, that's what he was saying, is that keeping the faith is a lifelong process. And it's a process of soul, I think. It's, you know, it's keeping the faith is not an intellectual process. The other thing he was talking about was lifting up the voices of the people most impacted by the, by the uh, cruel byproducts of the dominant system. And, and, and in a way, it's because they have the greatest authority because they, have, they actually feel the consequences. And they have, you know, the people, the, the power holders are really less intelligent than the people at the bottom because the people at the bottom have to figure out what the power holder is going to do. It's sort of like having a drunk dad. You know, the kids are smarter than the parents. Um, so the people who have been at the effect of the systems um, have language for it. They, they have honesty and they have grit and they have language and they need to speak because, because when people who are the most impacted speak, it speaks to something, the part of the heart that cannot be defended. Um, you know, if anybody has a living heart, it's just, it touches them. Um, so there was a tremendous amount in this conversation that I think not only is great for you and for our series, but was wonderful to talk to uh, somebody who I've never met before, but seems to uh, carry some of the dogged grit that I've carried for umpteen years for sometimes better than other times. Um, and I think the other thing is, is basically he was saying, uh, like Bill McKibben said, you know, it's, he puts his faith in social movements. You know, what, it's not a question of winning, you know, you can win a campaign and, and then, you know, the next president or Congress will override what you've done, but you persevere because it is the organizing of social movements and the building of the courage of people inside that to make, uh, speaking truth to power, a lifelong, um, a lifelong dedication.
Um, and we're going to do it poorly or well or intermittently or fall off the wagon or fall on the wagon. It's not like we're going to be perfected, but we're going to be steadfast. Um, nonetheless, we persist. So just some reflections. And I really, if you haven't watched the Kumi um, conversation, I really encourage it. So thanks.